Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hello and welcome to the Autosport Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Kalanokas, and we're recording a special edition of the podcast uh, to discuss the very serious situation in Melbourne regarding the cancellation of the 2020 Australian Grand Prix earlier on Friday. We're recording 28 floors above Collins Street, if you're interested. That's the, the, in the flat that my Autosport colleague Luke Smith and I are sharing for the, for the, for the week here in, in Melbourne. Let me introduce uh, my guests for this episode. I've got Jonathan Noble from Motorsport.com, Andrew Van Lewin also from Motorsport.com, and Luke Smith, as I mentioned earlier. Well, it's been a, yeah, it's been quite a quite a week, obviously, and quite a day in in Melbourne. Um, you know, F1 had travelled to Australia under under a massive cloud of uncertainty. Let's face it, due to the coronavirus outbreak. Already, even this time last week, even Sunday, when when sort of the last of the team personnel and 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 the media and and the whole circus was travelling to Australia, there was already big question marks about whether they should be doing that. Um, as the week developed, there were there were not a lot of the traditional preseason um, activities taking place. There was already signs early on. John and Andrew and I were were at a Red Bull event where there was a two meter exclusion zone around the drivers. Basically, at all times, it was just like don't really don't get close to them. And then certainly during the the press the press conference that they held at that event. When when we arrived at the track on Wednesday and the build up started, we collected our, our passes and got in a bit earlier than I think we'd, we normally would do. Oh, this is my first uh, F one weekend as Auto Sports Grand Prix reporter. <laughs> it went swimmingly, and it was on Wednesday when uh, it was uh, revealed by John in, our, in a story for Autosport and Motorsport dot com that three F one paddock personnel were being tested already for potentially having the coronavirus COVID nineteen. Into Thursday, more people were being tested, including actually a, a photographer, we think, a local photographer. And then on Wednesday night, as I'm sure you're all aware, uh, a McLaren team member was revealed to have tested positive. The team withdrew from the event 
and discussions continued through the night as to what was going to happen. Was the race going to go ahead without McLaren? Would it be run behind closed doors? There was nothing. There was no statement from Formula One or the FIA. Quite a, a deafening silence, really. Uh, we understand that F1 CEO Chase Carey was flying from Vietnam, where he'd been talking to the promoter in Hanoi about what was going to happen to that race next month. The F1 team principals were, were, were talking, were in discussions with Ross Braun, with the other stakeholders, and uh, eventually they reconvened in the morning after a, another statement had come out from the Australian Grand Prix Corporation saying that things would be pushing ahead. And then about just after 10 a.m., actually, as Luke informed me very precisely earlier on, it was 10.08 a.m. You're welcome. A statement came out. I actually asked for a rough estimate and he gave me 10.08. So that was, that was, that was, that was very, very grateful for that, Luke, that the race was off. Just to go back a little bit, the Australian authorities had said it would be going, if it was to go ahead, it would be behind closed doors things would not spectators and fans would not be allowed in uh, there was a press conference chase carey and the uh, agpc senior managers addressed the media there was um there was a lot of talking not sure there were a lot of answers uh, but we'll get into that perhaps a bit later on uh, but yes yeah, so a very serious situation but anyway that's my uh, that was what was supposed to be a brief summary but i've gone on for quite a while and uh, as an email drops into our inbox at autosport.com i will mute my laptop that we're using to record John, what are you thinking as you sit here on Friday evening in Melbourne? It's uh, it's been quite a week. Let's put it that way. Kevin Magnuson on uh, Thursday, you do, we do these driver sessions um, up and down the paddock. Most of them, are, you know, sit, sit at a table around with drivers and just chatting to them. But all the teams were so strict about. So they had a table and these big barriers. What are those barriers called at airports that they you pull across when you're queuing up? Kevin just came across and laughed and said, "It's a bit effed up, isn't it?" He said he felt like a bit of a movie set. Retractable tape barrier. Oh, I okay. Is, okay. The, uh, is the phrase you're looking for? And as as the press conference was going on, because you know Kevin's constantly grinning and stuff, one of the journalists tried to leave to go to another session. Accidentally flicked the end of the retractable tape barrier. Great. So the the barrier kind of moved across and wasn't there, and suddenly everyone was joking, and he moved away, and all this sort of stuff. So that was just one example in the two meter exclusion zone at the the Red Bull thing. I took a photo of the event with the two drivers in this big exclusion zone, and which you know got a, got a lot of traction on social media. So it, from the start, it wasn't a normal weekend. Things changed a bit when the kind of seriousness of the situation escalated. It's one thing having a bit of a laugh about you know these two meter exclusion zones and stuff which aren't normal, but I think equally when kind of realised it was an escalating situation with more people being tested and then that positive diagnosis last night. It was fun night to be a journalist when big breaking news is happening and you're bang in the centre of it. Big controversy is always a you know great thing to be part of a really big developing news story. But equally it's a you know, very serious situation. 14 McLaren staff room quarantine now in a hotel and one of them's got the coronavirus. So it's not, you know, it's a sad time for Formula 1 that someone has suffered this but... Um, I think we'll look back in, you know, 10 years time and we'll all be recounting stories of, you know, the, the Grand Prix that never happened. Well, yeah, I certainly hope to have perhaps seen one in my <laughs> new role at, uh, at, at Autosport. But obviously that is by far the most important thing. Um, AVL is our, uh, our, our resident of Melbourne. Mm. How are you feeling about things and, and how do you think the, the city is feeling? Yeah, it's a weird, I feel like we've sort of reached a critical junction now in terms of the, the, the Grand Prix was always kind of the acid test. There was sort of this feeling like if the Grand Prix goes ahead, things must things must be okay. So the fact that it hasn't, it feels like the whole thing's kind of shifted a gear here a little bit. So um, apparently there were, like at Costco, there were people queuing up for kilometres just trying to buy supplies and all that sort of... Um, toilet, toilet roll mainly, yeah. Toilet roll, yeah, and hand sanitizer. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, it, yeah, it really feels like things have changed a little bit 
just by the Grand Prix not not happening. It's, it's amazing there were still people queued up the ga- at the gates this morning, you know, um, trying to get in. So it, it's interesting. An interesting sort of point is how much the whole thing would have affected the crowd. Maybe there would have been an absolute bumper crowd anyway. Um, but yeah, it feels like. Do you think it could be a bit, bit like that thing where they say that if a theme park has that? So this has been very flippant about a serious situation. But if a, if a theme park has a death. The attendance figures actually go up, apparently. I had never heard that. And I would love to know how you stumbled across that little fact in the first place. I hate, I hate theme parks, but there we go. <laughs> um, but it, yeah, so it's sort of, so the, 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 it's been announced, uh, it's been announced this evening since the Grand Prix got cancelled that gatherings of over 500 people won't be allowed from Monday onwards. So things sort of, it feels like there's been a, a there's a, a new level of seriousness being taken around this issue now, which is, which is good which is good. These measures may really help contain what's going on and we may look back at it in a few months and go, oh, that was an overreaction, but it might not be an overreaction. It might literally be the thing that stopped that stopped this whole coronavirus taking hold here, you know? Um, so, yeah, it's just been, like John said, it's just been an odd weekend. It felt odd in the, in the F1 paddock. It felt remarkably different when you're in the supercars paddock. Everyone was a lot more relaxed because they hadn't just sat on 20 hours worth of flights mm. and come through airports spread all over the middle of the world um, so everyone was kind of like no nah, things are fine and then you go in the F1 paddock and it, I, I, you guys might be able to say more but it felt like it felt tense yeah there was an atmosphere very early on yeah it, you know, it was yeah. odd it, it didn't feel like people really wanted to be there Luke you've been working in F1 for several years now how did you find it to, comp- to compare the paddock and the feeling in Melbourne this weekend to, to what you've experienced before yeah very strange and very very eerie and um, just the F1 paddock I mean we we're all exceptionally fortunate to do the job that we do and work in the sport that we love and, and, and travel the world covering this amazing amazing sport but it was one of those weekends where you, you don't really want to be there and uh, I mean I, I, I think back to last year at Spa for example on that Saturday and it you just didn't it was the last place in the world that we all wanted to be was in that paddock and it, it, I think it was a similar feeling throughout the weekend and um, I was talking to um, a friend who works for um, Alpha, Alpha Tori and he said like he, he didn't know what to do because obviously if he goes back to Italy what well, can he get back into into Italy will he be able to get then out of the country again what's going on there and that that's that's the really concerning part I think that ultimately Sport is so often an escape from, I guess, sort of day-to-day life. And you, you sort of, you watch F1 or you watch football or whatever to escape from work dramas or whatever. Um, and this is now a situation where it comes completely into into our world. This is a very serious, serious um, human thing. Yeah, I mean, I've been in races in the past. You remember those events outside the track that take, kind of overtake what's going on in the paddock. Occasionally it happens. Um, obviously, the Paris terrorist attacks in Brazil. We were there. But I also remember the Icelandic um, ash cloud, you know, Chinese Grand Prix. And it, it was every conversation in the paddock, you know, the conversation wasn't about uh, Q1 times or tyre degradation. It was all about what are you doing? How are you getting back? And people plotting their paths to return. But this was a bit of both because you had a bit of this domination of what was going on in Europe and, you know, Trump shutting down the flights to America and lockdowns everywhere and schools being shut. But it's also quite close to home. Like the typhoon in Japan last year was a you know, thing that was happening in the paddock. So you had this combination of huge events outside happening, this massive situation happening inside the paddock, 
and they just overtook everything really yeah and all of the drivers were very mindful of that that we had these press sessions where they would be asked all the coronavirus questions and i think in a couple of the hard sessions the moment someone said oh i've got a sporting question for you it's like oh great um and it is i i think particularly uh following the fia settlement statement with ferrari as well on any other weekend that would be an enormous story like one of the most dominant stories probably of the season but it was just put to the wayside completely i think in the um presser with uh, charles leclerc for example it was sort of like the fifth or sixth question just because everyone was focused on on something that is is so much bigger than our sport ultimately the mood at the gates this morning you live in st kilda not how many how, how many minutes is it a walk from your home oh, to the gate 10 minutes 10 minutes so, walk yeah very very nearby i mean yeah. we, we were joking a little bit later we, you were posting a story on motorsport.com and we were you were debating what image to use and there was some some fans clearly not happy not, yeah apparently not at the fia according to that image but no, i think yeah. that perhaps they're obviously they're part of the target but i don't think they're the ultimate target yeah um you know what was the mood that you encountered when you got to those gates it was just confusion Nobody really knew what was going on because the initial messaging this morning was that this event's going to go on. Like, don't worry about the fact that someone's tested positive. The event's going to go on, which is very in keeping with the sort of message that's been going on. I've spoken about this a couple of times in various stuff we've done over the weekend, but there's been this crazy clash of panic buying toilet paper slash nappies slash five kilo bags of rice mixed with the classic Aussie, she'll be right. It'll be fine. No, go to the cricket. No, 90,000 people, just go to the cricket. It's not a drama. And there's been this big push, business as usual. It was what it was the, the line that the event was pushing. It's the line that everyone's been pushing. Business as usual. So people still seem to think this is going to go ahead. When the, when the event puts out a statement at 7 o'clock in the morning saying this is going ahead, people went, cool, it's going ahead. They went to the gate. So when they couldn't get in, that was quite confusing. And it seems it took a long time for people to actually, for the message to filter through that you, you're not going in. And this event's not going ahead. I do wonder whether there are some serious questions to be asked about why that statement was put out because it just encouraged people, it seems, to, to go to the track. Yeah, it feels like there must have been a reason for it because even later, uh, Andrew Westercott, the CEO of the Australian Grand Prix Corporation, spoke about the fact that they used the word cancelled, not postponed, when they did finally confirm that the event wasn't going to go ahead to discourage people from coming to the track to make sure people didn't go, oh, it's been postponed, it must be put back an hour. I'll just head on in a bit later. So things didn't seem to happen by accident. Just thinking about what, what, what we've gleaned from, from from team principals and people talking in the paddock and, and various sources, like apparently Sebastian Vettel and Kimi Räikkönen had already left by that stage. They're already gone. Yeah. yeah. So it's just it's just bizarre to think that, 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 that you know, certain people were like, this is, this is not going to go ahead. I mean, John, what did you... What did you pick up? One of the issues here, and this, this is the issue, of, you know, how we ended up in Australia in the first place is, um, you know, certain protocols to go through and certain procedures in cancelling a race. Um, with China, you know, it became obvious that the FIA can't cancel it because there, there was no health grounds or safety grounds to cancel it. F1 don't want to cancel it because they lose the race hosting fee. Um, you know, we're talking 40, 50 million dollars for the big races. So it's, it's always up to the promoter. Uh, to cancel it and then they rely on uh, their government to say that it can't go ahead and then it's force majeure and then they don't lose the fee so you're in situations where you want the FIA and F1 and promoters want other people to make decisions so this is how we ended up in Australia but there was no one got to the point and put their hand up and said actually we're now taking a risk going there as the situation is changing in especially Italy um, and it's probably the same as we arrive at the track this morning that um you know, the teams didn't want to race 
or the, the, the majority of teams didn't want to race, which triggered the, the FIA movement. But I think the promoters needed to show that this wasn't their personal choice to cancel the race, that everything's going ahead. We are pushing on with it. And this is a decision out of our hands, <clears throat> which is why I think that uh, announcement by the health authorities that the spectators aren't coming in was the, the changer. Because suddenly that shifts responsibility onto something else. And I'm sure there's a big discussion now to be done about who pays and who's going to stump up the fee and will there be a fee yeah. and stuff. But I think it's all about who, where does the buck stop in this situation? I think that's one of the key big lessons out of this weekend. I mean, everyone knew coming here, you know, we were rolling the dice on whether or not a paddock member would, um, you know, get confirmed and get infected here. It was a, it was a gamble. Uh, and you have to question, you know, should there have been a gamble? Should we have come if we couldn't 100% guarantee there wouldn't be a problem in the paddock? It goes beyond just the people waiting at the gate. There was TCR cars that were warmed up with drivers sitting in them, ready to roll out for a practice session that was scheduled at, I think, 20 to 10 this morning. And they didn't know. They're sitting there waiting. You know, there were marshals at posts, course cars had done laps. Everything looked like this was going to be a live racetrack. And is it right that I think the, the two-seater F1 car was that going out this from, morning. from yeah. really early in the morning? Yep. Yeah, so there was track activity happening. So guys are in race cars, literally sitting in racing cars waiting to go out, having no idea that the whole event was being shut down. So there has definitely been some sort of misstep in communication if you're reaching that point. And I think that's, uh, that's pretty staggering. And uh, let's, let's move on to, to, to some, some, some similar feeling in terms of how, how this situation unfolded. And I want to talk about the words of, of Lewis Hamilton. Who was who was probably the most outspoken of all the drivers that, that addressed the media on I think Thursday. he just copied a good question, to be honest. <laughs> well, thank you, Andrew. Yeah, it was it was uh, my question in there. It was uh, as a as a first question in an FI press conference. You've done quite well, I must oh, say. No, thank you very much. But it wasn't that it wasn't a question that no one else was going to ask. So, uh, well, I just happened to happen to get in. It was because you told me to go in a two footed challenge. So I thought, well, that, that sounds like something that make it quite an arrival. But there we go. There we go. He was he was he was very outspoken. It was he sort of. Can't, I, I, I frame the question as, you know, were you comfortable travelling and, and what did you think of uh, the F1 and FIA's uh, response so far before they cancelled off the race? And he, and he initially he talked about his, you know, his flight and touching things and, 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 and hand sanitizer and things like that. And then he sort of paused and just went, it's really surprising that we're here, that we're in the room, we're having this conversation. And he said he was shocked. And that's, that's, that's about as, as far sure, as I think he absolutely. could go. Yeah, um, Kimi Räikkönen, I know, also expressed expressed some some views on this. But uh, Hamilton, I've written this before, and I, I think it a lot. He is the face of Formula One. Good on him for for, for doing that and, and and speaking up. I mean, what you know, what did you guys think, um, Luke? Yeah, it was he was the only driver who came out that strongly and, and then said it. And so many of them said that oh, we follow the FIA's advice and we're just going to we're here to race. And that line that was crossed out so many times. And you can understand that to a point because ultimately yeah they do have to do what the governing body will say and what their medical staff will uh, suggest with their crisis cell that was set up to follow this situation um, but ultimately Lewis is someone who he wears his heart on his sleeve and I think F1 is so much richer for that and um, I think the moment that we don't have Lewis Hamilton in Formula 1 anymore it's very hard to see who will be replacing him to be that figure who will say, look, this this is how it is. This is how I'm feeling right now. Um, the fact that he's also F1's most successful star and one of the greatest drivers this sport has ever seen, I think that's that's that just adds to it, basically, that he's so visible. And I think that would have put also pressure on Formula One as well. Um, the fact that 
on on Thursday that Lewis of all people was the person to speak out and say this is shocking this is surprising we shouldn't shouldn't be here basically um he posted a Instagram story from his bedroom as well saying oh um really don't want to leave my room with the emoji of a, a mask over his face for example and it's 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 that kind of honesty that I think we need from our drivers because ultimately they do get too much into this sort of PR and they've got to put out this message of look we're here to race I just want to race I don't want to worry about the politics um and I think we saw that with the Lewis's comments about environmentalism uh, towards the end of last season, that he's very aware of the world outside of Formula One. Um, he's made clear that once his F1 career is over, he don't, doesn't want to be hanging around the sport. He wants to go and do all these other ventures. Um, I think it's just really, really good that we have someone like him to look at the bigger picture and say, actually, look, this is this is way bigger than, than the sport. What happens when Lewis Hamilton walks away? You know, will the Fleet Street guys be paying to go <laughs> to races and things like that? And it's and it's a pretty it's a pretty big thing. I mean, as I said, we, we are getting slightly off off topic here, but yeah, as I said, I think I think fair play to, to what he said. Um John, I just wondered do you think we're gonna see that's just this is just the start of, of not a war of words, but comments being made, team principals, manufacturers, people with stakes at risk potentially coming out and making statements in the next in the next few days and weeks uh, I'm not I'm not sh- I'm not sure actually because I spoke to, spoke to a team boss today about whether they felt the weekend had been you know damaging for Formula One and everything but I think uh, we're in such a unique unprecedented situation in the world now this is this is something that uh, no one alive on this earth has experienced before um, what you know, is happening now and is going to happen over the next two, three, four weeks. Um, I think, you know, Formula One is just a tiny, tiny, uh, you know, blob on the corner of a much bigger picture. So I think if if what happened this weekend had happened in a situation where the world was normal, uh, then I think it would be a massive thing like Indy 05 when um, circumstances happen in a normal, bizarre circumstances happen in a normal world. But we're in, you know, total unprecedented territory here. I think in the, especially with the season, unlikely now to start to Baku. Um, I think the issue of what happened this weekend will, will melt into the background because there's much bigger issues at stake here. I think what this wakes up us up to is the fact that Formula One isn't the be all and end all of everybody's lives. It's a small part of a big thing. You know, other sports have stopped. So I think in the end, it won't be the the big drama that maybe India Five was, for example. Indeed, and I think as uh, I certainly find it frustrating when you see comments on social media about how things oh it should have gone ahead, it's an overreaction. Blah, blah, blah. Absolutely not. Not when not when the World Health Authority has declared it a pandemic. This is you know this is something that should be taken utterly seriously. And John, I'm going to throw back to you now. Um, you mentioned the fact that the F1 season could start in Baku in June. You know what is going to happen next? We think um, as we're recording, Bahrain and Vietnam are going to be called off. So that makes, what, a three-month wait for the first race? It's, it's pretty unprecedented, but what have you learned from your discussions in the paddock that why that's going to happen? Well, I think there's a growing reality that um, the, the situation is not normal. I think, um, you know, it's amazing to think back in testing time. Um, so we're talking middle of February. So what's, what's that? Three weeks ago? I think we all believe that this was a, a problem that was solely going to happen in China, that the Chinese Grand Prix would go and... It would flare up in Asia a little bit and then disappear and that would be it. But I think in testing, you saw the first cases in different countries and, you know, since it's exploded until it's in lockdown. I think the reality is bitten that over the next two, three weeks, things are going to get quite bad uh, and they can't push on now with the, the season. Um, teams have told, I understand, F1, they're not racing in Bahrain. Uh, everyone's going home. 
Vietnam, uh, same scenario. I don't think they can carry on now. So I think, you know, there will now be a... I don't think the final decision has been taken, but from what I understand, teams have, are now set on um, those races won't happen. So Bahrain's off, Vietnam's off. Zandvoort will have to be called off, Spain will be off, Monaco will be off, and we're now looking at Baku. Uh, and they will try then to shuffle in a calendar <clears throat> that moves on from there. Um, I don't, from what I understand, Monaco won't be put back in. The race organisers don't pay a race hosting fee to F1, so there's no big motivation to get it back in to um, boost the bottom line. And Spanish Grand Prix organisers are you know, facing tough financial conditions and the, the country's been quite badly hit by coronavirus, so um, that won't be put back in. But I think we'll end up with a 18, 19 race calendar, may push on uh, into December. I mean, how close to Christmas, we don't know, but there will be an attempt, um, but it's a moving situation. Uh, you know, Friday... Last week, you could fly from you know Germany to America, and you never think that those routes would be shut off, and they were shut down. So, you know, we can't guarantee where things will be tomorrow, let alone you know what's going to happen to try and slot a race in on the seventh of June or the fifteenth of July. How bad does this look for F one that this happened? That people came AVL to your city from Europe from from some really dire situations in Italy. It's probably potentially it's going to get worse in the UK and other countries looking at trajectories on certain things that have been posted in reports coming out those countries just a few weeks behind Italy in terms of cases and how things are developing what what do you think on on, on yeah how, like, like it, it, it doesn't done? it doesn't look good and there seems to be some fairly strong indications that with any of these sorts of things and as John said we haven't seen one like this as such but having large gatherings of people is just a bad idea it's the first thing that's going out the window so for it to try and for, for for the people involved in this event to try and push it on through, it just doesn't. It just never looked good. It really wasn't a good look. And if you, I think the the, the damage from a public relations standpoint is significantly less if you do it before the event starts. Nobody's sitting around and saying the NBA are terrible because they've stopped doing what they're doing. You know, it it's not. Well, certainly not. Unless you maybe if you're deeply involved, there might be you know, groups of fans who have that opinion, but you don't get that sense when you're just a casual observer of that situation. It's the same with the major football leagues in Europe playing behind closed doors. It just seems like a sensible thing to do. And this never looked like a sensible thing to do. And that and that's really what it comes down to. And the fact that it blew up once the event had actually started, because it's fine to say the Formula One cars weren't on the track, but there was a whole day of track activity yesterday. There was five, six support categories racing around all day. People were already investing, investing time and money into competing at this event, if nothing else. Um, it's it's not good optics, is it? Like it's, it's, it, it really doesn't look good. Indeed, and Luke, um, I know you were reasonably outspoken on social media last night. <laughs> I know that yeah. Fox Sports uh, here in Australia picked you up on that. Well, not picked uh, no. you up on that. Just just quoted what you said, and uh, yeah. it wasn't I not particularly outrageous or, okay. or anything like that. But um, you know, it's, this has stirred some pretty strong feelings up um, for, for many people. Um, yeah, I just wondered what. A day, uh, half a day later, almost. I, I, honestly, I forget what day and time it's, it is. Time is just a construct now. Like we don't <laughs> know what's going on here. Um, yeah, how you know how are you, how are you feeling? A little bit later on. Yeah, um, <laughs> I think for, for context, um, yeah, last night it was. Sorry, it, it's fine. No, it's fine. It's fine. It was all. It was. It was very very late, and yeah, I think everyone was very very tired and very emotional about it. And I mean, I personally. 
yeah, a lot of the sort of talk about coronavirus is that uh, if you're young, you're fit, it's okay if you get it. But then you think about what if family members get it or something like that and people who aren't so well and stuff like that. And that that has been my big concern through all of this. And um, yeah, so when last night it was that there is a confirmed case in the F1 paddock, I sort of really went into sort of full panic mode and I was on WhatsApp to my friends like, oh God, oh God. And then woke up this morning, I was like, okay, it's, it's going to be okay. Um, yeah, but I think and the big the big concern for me last night was that there'd been no guidance and no information really from the FIA, F1, the governing body, anything like that, um, about what would happen if someone in the paddock was tested positive for this. We we had no idea. And it, it was a case that yeah, I got back to the apartment and I was thinking, well, what does this mean for us now? And your head just begins to rush. It's like, do we have to isolate? Do we have to quarantine? What are we going to do? Can I get home? Um, and it's it's things like that. And um, then you, you talk to people and for example, like you find like a advice from a team doctor or something like that, and it, it reassures you a little bit. Um, but it still didn't. It still didn't change the fact that really we should have come to this weekend knowing knowing what what was happening. Really, we should have known from the governing body, from the officials running this event, what would happen. Um, from a company perspective, um, I, I've it's been we've had the support that we needed, which is which is really really good. That's that's so so important. But the sport, I I didn't feel actually gave us what what we needed the reassurance the understanding um last night yeah we 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 got in at sort of i think i think it was about four o'clock in the morning got to bed um i know a couple of journalists powered all the way through and they've been up about 34 hours by now which is crazy um but i i went to bed at four and i thought okay well i'll wake up at seven half seven and by then we'll have more information and there was nothing there was absolutely nothing coming out of the public channels um and i do appreciate that it is a, a very fluid situation that you do get things changing minute by minute hour by hour um again we travel to australia with no u.s travel ban with most of the major sports leagues still running um but now yeah the nba suspended we've got uh, cases confirmed for a premier league footballer and a premier league manager it is changing so so rapidly but f1 is unique in so many ways and it's the international element of it is the fact that we aren't just going down the road to London or Liverpool to do do our job we are oh AVL is oh well it's true actually a little 10 minute walk you're fine um, but, oh perfect perfect um, but for the rest of us we're, we're travelling 11,000 miles and it's like to have taken that decision that we were going to go ahead there was no there was no turning back from that and this led to this situation I think the key thing was that everyone kind of knew that the build up to this the event there was kind of you saw the situation getting worse and people were questioning you know the risk is the risk factor too much it should be zero risk uh whereas in the past you've gone to events like the typhoon in japan or bahrain the year after it was cancelled um or um any of these events where there are difficulties and f1 you know huddles together powers on is really determined to push on through and make a massive success of it uh, and in the, at those times you speak to everyone in the paddock and they're really you know community spirit everyone's willing to be there we push on we put this race on and it's fantastic but you arrived here I didn't speak to a single person in the paddock uh, who wanted this event to go on they're all really concerned they felt it would have been better to be safe having canned the race than sorry as ultimately we are now uh, so I think that was that was the frustration, the lack of communication, uh, and also you think you've got you know fifteen hundred people in the paddocks. So that's fifteen hundred families all around the world who could potentially be impacted by these decisions. Uh, and I think Lewis, you know, in that same press conference yesterday, he was asked why did this 
race go ahead. And I know he said this semi-ironically, but said cash is king. Because uh, ultimately, this, this was about money. This was about who would pay if the race didn't go ahead, rather than what's the best for the F1 community. So that's why the frustration was there. And I was, you know, last night, even I was tweeting how angry and disappointed I was with Formula One because this was a totally avoidable situation. No one would have said anything bad about Formula One if we'd, even as late as Sunday night in, it, in uh, last week, as people were flying out when um, the, the first Italian lockdown happened uh, and the first questions came. If everyone had said, right, that's it. It's too much of a risk now. Uh, we don't believe the situation will get any better. If anything, it's only going to get worse. So it was naive to, I think it was a bit naive to believe that things would be stable, let alone better. Uh, so the fact I think everyone saw it coming uh, just I think it just made everyone quite angry. Yeah, and, and I mentioned before that I could feel the difference between the two paddocks that I've been roaming between in terms of the supercars guys and the Formula 1 guys. But at the end of the day, I think the, the reaction from you guys comes down to the fact that you were put at risk as well. And so was I. That's the reality of the situation. We've been in that paddock. There was people potentially in the media centre. This There's an incubation period here. Things could change rapidly in the next few days. That's the harsh reality of the situation. So I think we've all, we all deserve the right to feel a little bit on edge at the moment because we were put at risk. You guys more than me because I didn't have to go to an airport and I didn't have to sit in a plane and do any of that sort of stuff. But still, I was there and someone has contracted this thing. So that is probably going to explain some of the raw emotion we've seen. It's tense, weird, unprecedented times as we've touched on it few times that's our discussion of what's happened in melbourne this week thank you very much for listening um as far as we know as we're recording this we we're going to have uh, possibly three months of content to fill so do do come back you might be here in melbourne for three months Who knows? I, mean, but, I look forward to recording many of these with you guys <laughs> i mean it is it is raining right now rather disappointingly but uh, it's you know it's uh, what, what it could be wor- much worse places to get st- to get stuck let's face it but uh, yeah we um, i think we're probably going to be bringing you some uh, some interesting and different and 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 varied podcasts who knows you know nothing's been approved but i'm just thinking we've got a website to fill we've got we've got a magazine to make i don't i don't know what's going to happen to that i know but we, we know we can make it from home uh, kevin turner and his team uh, prepped it last week checked it all checked out all the systems Alex I'm also intrigued to know that you know Grand Prix editor of Autosport is quite a prestigious job to have and you're the first Grand Prix editor in history to go to a Grand Prix and not actually have a Grand Prix yeah I, 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 bro- I broke it didn't I literally not first time out not actually have a car F1 car turn a wheel so far no it's amazing it, <laughs> yeah uh, you know um Selfishly, I wanted it to go ahead just to see to see what would happen. But you know, I will be a little bit pedantic there. There was an F1 car that turned a wheel, the two seater, but it apparently crashed. So it crashed. It crashed. Yeah, well, there's a scoop. But so, who was driving it? Do we know? Uh, that was Will Davison, and he's been uh, very up and about about how he should be the 2020 Australian Grand Prix winner because he turned more laps in a Formula One car than anyone else. But I think fair enough. Didn't mention the crash, so that's uh, <laughs> that, that one quiet. Old Wilbur, we're onto you there, brother. <laughs> Excellent. Well, yeah, like I said, uh, thank you very much for joining us on this episode. And uh, anyway, I won't do the usual spiel of getting you to ask you to subscribe to our various channels, although I do encourage you to read our news stories and our analysis, of course. But uh, but anyway, yeah, thank you very much for listening. Thank you to John, to ABL, to Luke for joining us. And uh, yeah, uh, stay safe, everyone, and um, see you soon.
Music is 6am by Trilo, written by Marcus Simmons. See soundcloud.com slash Trilo Music. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Independence. With that declaration, America was born. Inspired by a belief in the God-given rights of every human being. And in the good that comes from exercising these rights well. The founders of our great nation chose independence. As do we. Hillsdale College accepts no government funding. Because independence makes possible the good to which we aspire. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.